1: Alright folks, welcome back. This is Daniel Hardy here at Golden State of Mind. I have a very special guest today. A gentleman who made his name working for NBA teams in crucial behind the scenes roles. He's a former video coordinator for the Washington Wizards as well as a former scout for the Raptors and Hawks. You currently can find him breaking down NBA X's and O's on the web, you may even know from social media because the man definitely has the Twitter fingers. He's at Scout with Brian, and I want to give it up for Brian Oringer. Thank you for coming on today, Brian O. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. Appreciate you having me.
1: Awesome. So, um, first things first. Uh, Where did you grow up, and who was your squad when you were a kid?
0: Yeah, I, I grew up in the uh, in Maryland, near the in DC area. So I was a big Wizards fan in the Gilbert Arenas. Antoine Jameson, uh, Karan Butler uh, era, um, you know, and then getting to end up working for them for for six seasons was kind of a a dream come true. But, uh, yeah, I've always been a a D.C. local, worked for Gary Williams uh, at the University of Maryland for a couple of years. So that was my most immediate uh, basketball influence. But, you know, I grew up, of course, watching Kobe and MJ and, you know, obviously later Steph and LeBron and all the greats. So gotten to see a lot of great basketball for sure.
1: So uh, I just want to, you know, give you a big year welcome from Dub Nation for Gilbert Arenas, because he was ours first, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. he. Uh, that was a rare, uh, you know, one of the Ernie Grunfeld moves that I think people can agree was pretty darn good to, to get him for, you know, pretty cheap, at least initially for uh, locked up for a long time. And, uh, yeah, he'll go down as one of the great tragedies in basketball. I mean, he was so much fun, uh, you know, to watch for that three or four year stretch, Um, you know, it was just a shame how that went south very quickly, obviously.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Agent Zero, you know, was cooking with the hibachi stuff. Um, It's funny because I think he may have represented uh, the shift that was happening for where the uh, point guard, the primary ball handler was becoming more of a scorer as opposed to a, a passer, um, now, if you look back at, you know, 2009 when Steph Curry was drafted, I actually have a list from Bleach Report of the game's best point guards in 09. <laughs> I'm going to read them off real quick. You got Jameer Nelson, Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Jose Calderon, Tony Parker, John Rondo, Steve Nash, Derrick Rose, Darren Williams, and Chris Paul. Now, when you compare that basically 10 years ago to what we have now, what would you say are the, the defining factors that uh, kind of made a shift from the point guard position?
0: I would say kind of like you said, I think it's gone much more to a, a scoring position. Um, you know, I think a lot of those guys, you know, those were all great players. But, uh, you know, guys like Calderon, uh, Rondo, you know, even Chauncey to an extent. I mean, they, they could all score, but they were more kind of run a team, point guards, you know, run your plays, execute your offense, uh, get the ball, you know, where it needed to go. Um, and I think today's style is is a lot less about. Uh, you know, specific plays obviously a lot less post-ups. Um, you know, hardly any mid-range. Um, you know, so I think the position has kind of morphed where you need guys who can who can hit the three at a high level and and you know big-time shooters. And even if there is a little uh, you know drop-off in kind of the ability to to run or lead a team, I think teams are are willing to tolerate it if guys can put up you know 20 25 a night uh, by hitting you know, four or five threes in a game. So I think, like you said, it's it's gone more to a, uh, a much uh, shooting position for sure.
1: Well, if we're speaking about shooting, we're definitely talking about uh, Steph Curry. Now, I find it uh, fascinating what you just mentioned there, talking about uh, moving from a game uh, management kind of quarterbacking of the game to more of a scoring type of deal there. Um, obviously, Steph Curry is uh, so one of the elite scorers of our generation, and maybe all the time, but where do you see his – gain management skills
0: um you know I, th- I think it's good but to be honest i mean i i don't know maybe this is a controversial take in uh warriors land and i know you know some of their fans have been mad about a couple of the things i've said about oh
1: here we go here we go
0: <laughs> no, but i mean for my money I you know i think he's the greatest shooter without question of all time and i, I know he certainly you know can play point guard and people love to point you know to his high assist seasons, his MVP seasons, and I you know, I think he, he does okay there. But to me he's he's more of a kind of an off guard. I mean he's more of a of the two in my opinion. And I you know, like I said, I know you can certainly play him, you know, in some pick and roll. You can play him at some one, but I think his strength obviously is, you know, the incredible gravity, the the best shooting of all time, the flying off pin downs, the you know being able to hit forty footers consistently. I mean, you know, all that stuff uh mm-hmm. to me is obviously his biggest skill. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he can, you know, like I said, he can run some pick and roll, but I've said before, I think part of the reason why Kerr doesn't run, you know, 40 pick and rolls a game with him and why, you know, there's so much back and forth with, uh, you know, Warriors fans disagreeing with, with Kerr. Um, you know, I think Steph can kind of see the closest pass and he's, he's great at finding like Draymond in the pocket if, if you trap. Um, but you know, his size does limit him a little bit to seeing like the, the far skip pass and, and, you know, passes that are much further away. So not to say he's not really good at that still as well, but uh, you know, I think there is sometimes his size does affect him a little bit and uh, you know, certainly being able to, you know, handle the the impact and the, the physicality of running that many pick and rolls, I think takes a ton out of you um, in every single game. So yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said uh, for that, not to diminish from his greatness uh, at all.
1: No, no, totally. I understand where you're coming from there. I mean, obviously, I'm sure many folks in Dev Nation would fight you tooth and nail over that. Um, But uh, I'm not going to right now because I actually have a more pertinent question right now. Um, So as a video coordinator for the Wizards, I'm pretty sure you must have crossed paths with the Dynasty Warrior at some point, correct?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, so then um, I guess my question is, from the -the behind-the-scenes kind of, you know, in the, the bunker where you're at with the Wizards, did you feel like your preparation um, for Steph was adequate? Is there a preparation for a guy like that? And what were the kind of concepts that you believe that um, your Wizards teams did well and maybe didn't do so well in guarding
0: Steph? Uh, yeah, we certainly didn't do so well because I'm not sure if we won more than maybe one or two of those games. But, uh Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think what was impossible about game planning for them was, uh, you know, they they didn't really run a whole bunch of plays. It wasn't, you know, staying ready for for this certain play call. It was kind of just, you know, throw the ball in the post, run that split game action that Mm -hmm. they ran so incredibly well. Um, And, you know, pretty much regardless of what you did, Golden State just kind of read and reacted and, and moved the ball and just, constant, you know, flying off those corner pinch screens for Steph and Clay and, and Draymond mm-hmm. passing the crap out of the ball. So, yeah, you know, I think generally speaking, like we, we did our best to tell guys kind of what kind of system they'd play and then how they would fly around and, and how locked in you had to stay. But then, you know, sure enough, once you get tired and you're chasing Steph around for three miles every game, <laughs> uh, you know, eventually a, a big and a guard are both going to go out to double him and, and try to. Uh, you know, and see him coming off a pin down, and then the big's gonna slip right to the rim for a dunk, and then the next time you worry about the big slip, so then Steph's gonna come off, and, and nobody switches out on him, and he gets a three. You know, it, it was just uh, just a, a, a beautiful brand of basketball. And for my money, I think it, it was you know the most beautiful offense I've ever seen um, personally, and it was. Don't it uh, yeah. to Kevin Durant. <laughs> Say that again.
1: Don't tell talk to Kevin Durant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think he, you know, I think he added something they did need at least at the time as well. You know, I think, um, you know, obviously when he went down, they they were still able to to compete for a bit and um, you know uh, win win the conference finals, obviously. But I, I think he clearly and Clay obviously too, but I think would have made a difference uh, in the finals and just you know his ability to get his own shot off at any point and and kind of just you know rise up over people and score was. Well, something they needed when when things got bogged down a little more. So I, you know, I think the true answer is probably somewhere in the middle. It was definitely a beautiful, amazing brand of basketball, but you know, anytime you can add a guy like KD too, I think uh, just <laughs> makes it even better.
1: So, from your uh, vantage point, when you're watching those uh, Rockets and Warriors clashes, especially over the last two years when they had Chris Paul there, what were the Rockets doing so effectively to bog things down?
0: Um. Yeah, they, they just played probably the best, uh, you know, defense that anybody's played on Golden State, and, and they did that by switching uh, just about everything, but, you know, a lot of teams uh, want to switch everything, or a lot of teams say their game plan is to switch everything, I mean, that even at times was our game plan, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a huge difference in the, the intensity at which uh, you do that, you know, so I think Houston, uh, they did a great job just switching with contact. And anytime you know, Steph or Clay would come off a pin down, they had PJ Tucker, or whoever was the big setting the pin down, just ready to switch onto him. The guard knew exactly what his job was to switch onto the big, you know, they just did it uh, with contact. They were physical, um, you know, and I think they just kind of made things uh, as tough as they could. And even still, you know, that still wasn't enough. I mean, I did the uh, the video um, on the, Steph Draymond pick and roll that, you know, you guys ran 10 times down the stretch in that <laughs> game, game six and I think scored eight out of the 10 times and, and Houston, you know, I, I looked at their defense, their defense for the most part was was okay. Like they, they guarded it. All right. But, you know, uh, Clay, Iguodala, all those guys still made huge shots, contested shots. Um, you know, and it just, uh, yeah, they're impossible to guard when they, when they really get going, obviously.
1: No, totally, totally. Um, I noticed that um, in your breakdowns, you're you're kind of referencing to... I guess the, the average fan who may be upset with what they perceive to be in inadequacy in um, a coach or a player. And I oftentimes see you on Twitter talking about how they just don't understand um, what they're talking about, um, especially in regards to, say, like a, a Fitzdale in New York where people are saying he needs to, you know, activate more of a, a motion offense and get the ball moving. And I believe you kind of referenced how with the Houston Rockets, um, they pound the ball all day and score, you know, as he as you said, you know, a, a thousand points. What do you think um, is the most difficult for the average fan to know about NBA offenses?
0: Uh, where do I start? I mean, you know, there's there's, <laughs> there's there's a million things, and you know, I I think, um, yeah, I think it's kind of got to an unfortunate point in, in NBA Twitter where, like, you know, we have ten thousand uh, casual fans and, and bloggers and people all over the place who all think they. Um, you know, can basically do the job better or, or know, you know, what the coaches should be doing. And, and, you know, my response to that uh, honestly is that, you know, I, I, I probably used to be one of those people myself, you know, before I started in sports, I used to think coaches were dumb and clueless and just kind of go with the, the narratives online. But, you know, when, once you're in there, once you understand, you know, they've been obsessing over every single aspect of basketball for the last 30, 40 years of their lives and know, every intricacy of every offense and defense and play call and execution and just spend, you know, 15 hours a day obsessing over the tiniest little details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you just develop an appreciation for, for how tough of a job it is. And, you know, like in the Knicks example, yeah, I think people tend to, um, you know, they get sucked up into like the the synergy numbers that, Oh, you know, the Knicks are running a ton of isolations, but, you know, if, like, if you watch the games, they're actually, you know, Fisdale doesn't call any, they don't run any isolations. What they run is is the same plays that, that Golden State runs with, with, you know, Randall handling up top is the same delay offense that the Warriors ran. You know, they just mm-hmm. they just don't have, you know, the personnel to really execute anything at, at a super high level, to be honest. You know, when your best best score is probably Marcus Morris. So, you know, I think uh, most of their issues are more, uh, you know, on the front office, team assembly side. And, you know, I think people tend to see the coaching as kind of the most immediate, like, you know, I don't understand how this guy wasn't in for the last shot or how we lost this game or whatever, you know, and they get very angry. But I, I think, uh, you know, David Fisdale's a, a well-respected spo disciple LeBron guy. You know, I think he clearly knows what he's doing. I think mm-hmm. he just hasn't been given, um, you know, enough talent in New York right now.
1: Well, it's funny enough you mentioned that because uh, the Warriors' very own coach, Steve Kerr, is kind of having some difficulties with the Twitter crowd. You know, I mean, I don't know how much relevance that actually provides, like r- reality, but there is definitely a strong voice out there um, that is, I'd say, rather disgruntled with the way that uh, Coach Kerr, you know, works his way around with the team. And funny enough, I think it's hard to uh, criticize a man that went to five straight finals, but I think a lot of folks are saying, hey, you know, Give me Steph Clay and Katie and Andre and Livingston and all those guys, Draymond, and you know, I could do the same thing. Um, I guess my question here is: when you see the difficulties that the these young warriors are having, obviously uh, thin roster and a lot of inexperience, a lot of guys under 25 years old, got some rookies in there. Um, when you see them running the the, the curve motion offense that you study so closely when you in Washington, um, if there are some times in your mind where you're just like, hey, give the ball to D high spread of pick and roll and live with what you get as opposed to trying to I guess cram all this knowledge of this, you know, rather intricate style of basketball to these young guys?
0: Um, you know, I think you need a balance and I think I think her started to kind of find that balance, right? And, you know, it, it seemed to me at least that they were running a decent amount of of D pick and roll, um, you know, especially in the in the recent few games before he got he got hurt. Um, you know, but I think that even is, is hard too. you know, you say, okay, yeah, we got a a roll guy, say in, in Stein, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got, uh, Draymond, obviously who's still not shooting the ball. We got Glenn Robinson, who nobody is all that worried about, you know, taking threes and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just hard, really hard to run pick and roll when you have, uh, two guys, maybe three guys on the floor at a time who teams aren't worried about, uh, shooting the ball at all. So, you know, my right. answer has kind of just always been that there's no magical offense. Like I said, I think, uh, that motion offense was, you know, it is beautiful and is fully capable of, of being beautiful the same way, you know, a Popovich offense or any great coach's offense is, is capable of, of being beautiful. But, you know, you see even the Spurs are just kind of undermanned offensively this season. They, they look like, uh, you know, they're kind of winding down in terms of, uh, if they can really still stay relevant and be a playoff team, and and it just, you know, I know people will even criticize Pop and say that Pop forgot what he's doing, <laughs> but you know, they're they're great coaches, and you know, it just it's ninety percent about the players, ten percent coaching. Um, the Golden State issue this year, I promise you, is far more about, you know, obviously the youth and, and the inexperience, but now you know, couple that with massive injury problems, it's it's really hard to to win games that way.
1: Did you hear that, people? Brian O. just told you, stop blaming Kerr for the team struggling right there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I would say that. That's fair.
1: (laughs) Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Uh, so how high are you right now on D'Angelo Russell? I mean, I, I asked that question like he was a strain of ganja. But I'm talking about, you know, as, as a player who a lot of folks were very skeptical of coming out of, you know, first L.A. then Brooklyn. Um, from what he's done right now with the scoring explosions, I know he's injured. But um, what's your perception of uh, D'Lo right now?
0: I love D'Lo. Um I think, you know, I, I said last season, his, his numbers last season were, Really similar um, to Harden at the same age. Uh, I think he has uh, a lot of similarities in the way he plays. You know, I think um, you know, kind of like I mentioned, how the how the positions evolve to having point guards who can take eight, nine, ten threes a game off the dribble. Um, you know, hit step backs, mm-hmm. uh, have really deep you know Lillard type pull up range. I, I think he does that. I think you know, on top of that, he's got really good feel for the game you know able to give you seven eight assists a game um you know i think some of the questions obviously are more defense and and staying locked in and and he's got to continue to to grow on that end and and be a really great two-way player consistently but uh you know I, i think obviously his his numbers even in those 10 games with you guys were were a step up even from last season i i think you know, I don't see any reason why he won't continue to, to improve and, and be a guy that can be an all-star um, really for the rest of his career. I, I think he is phenomenally talented and uh, you know great shooter, great scorer, um, good really good passer. So yeah, I, I really liked uh, adding him to the mix there and, and think if they you know had stayed healthy this season, I, I do think they would have figured it out um, and at least been in playoff contention.
1: You know, it's fascinating you brought up the Harden comparison um, because a lot of fans in the nation are already anticipating him being dangled as, as a trade piece when the Splash Bros are healthy. And that James, Her- uh, sorry, James Harden comparison kind of reminds me back in the day when I, you know, you had Russ, KD, and Surge, and then like Harden was rather expendable at that time. And then looking back, OKC really regretted it. Um, now I don't think it's that level of dire for the Warriors, but at the same time, anytime you have a twenty-three-year-old guy who's putting up that level of uh, output you can't just, you know, throw him on the trade block just because you have other good players.
0: Yeah, I uh, I mean, people call, were calling that him uh, a trade uh, piece from the second they signed him. I mean, I, you don't give a guy a, a max deal with the with the intention of just, you know, turning around and, and trading him. Like, uh, I know some <laughs> things have, have happened like that. That Okay, you can say, like, yeah, Blake Griffin got dealt, and sometimes it does happen. But, you know, I, I think for Bob Myers to, to give D'Lo that contract and, and go out and get him when you know, if he could have hung around on the market, I think you would have seen like, you know, maybe the Knicks and Hornets and Boston, you know, teams like that I think would have eventually gone after him, but but the Warriors came out right away and were like, wow, we, we view you as a max player. We view you as a, as a core piece. And, you know, I don't, I don't buy that narrative that they ever signed him just to eventually trade him off to Minnesota or anything like that. I, I think they, they see how talented he is and think he can be, um, you know, part of that, that core with, uh, with Steph Draymond and Clay. And, uh, you know, I, I think they, they need a little time obviously, and they need to get healthy, but I I do think they can definitely figure that group out for sure.
1: Totally. Totally. Now I know you like to watch a lot of basketball, obviously. Um, my question to you is going forward, um, you know, in the next 10 years, we'll be talking about a whole new crop of point guards right now. When you look at the next wave of point guards, who are you looking at? Like you have to watch as far as entertainment value.
0: Uh, jaw is incredibly entertaining. Um, I think he, he's the type of guy that'll lead the league and assist, uh, someday, you know, he's, he's pretty high up there. He's wow. Memphis, Memphis only playing him 26, 27 minutes a game. I think he's got uh amazing feel for the game. Um, you know, I think he, he shows flashes of shooting and, and definitely can score and get to the rim and, and play with a lot of athleticism, but he's just, he's got big time feel. Um, he's high up there. I think, um who else uh you know fox in san antonio uh, sorry in sacramento obviously plays with amazing pace and is is really fun to watch um and trey you know is is, i think the closest thing we'll we'll see to steph um you know and, and some of those comparisons obviously steph didn't love hearing at first and i, I think guys kind of got sick of but i think trey again this season has mm-hmm. has shown some of that range and, and shown some of uh you know why he does legitimately remind people of him a little bit so yeah you know yeah i think there's there's a lot of good uh young pieces out that you got to tell me uh who i'm forgetting but um you know i i think there is a little bit of a lull in the position right now in terms of going to that next generation besides like you know d low and uh uh, guys like that i, I think it's kind of up in the air you know who might be the next uh kind of great crop of, of point guards
1: so i guess we wouldn't put a uh, spider in there he's more of a two guard right
0: yeah in my opinion i mean you, you could make an argument but you know i think clearly obviously with conley he's playing the two so yeah yeah
1: makes sense okay so then my final question Lucas. sorry
0: i before i get slaughtered on twitter i should obviously mention well hold, hold
1: on a <laughs> second hold on a second so you tell it you tell me spider can't be a point guard but you know big old Lucas out there a point guard <laughs>
0: yes, i mean you know he's averaging like eight assists a game or something he's i mean yeah he, he's more in like the lebron you know do you consider lebron a point guard i mean most people would say no but like did LeBron kind of end up really playing point guard for most of his career? Yeah. Yes. You know I think Luke obviously is an unbelievable pick and roll player on, on, on top of having kind of some of the step back threes and incredible range. And yeah, he, he's really fun to watch offensively.
1: Man. Luca is so nice. Like there, there are certain sequences where it's, it's pretty much like he's toying with the, the trap defense. Like he's inviting the double waiting for it and then making some beautiful skip pass out of it. and, to have that level of feel at such a, a young age, I mean, I know he played, you know, pro early overseas, but to, to see the way he orchestrates, it's 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 worth a dollar for sure. In fact, I'll be seeing him uh, in Dallas on, uh, I think, Wednesday. So my, my first Luka game, I'm pretty pumped. I mean, obviously, I'm going to boo the heck out of him, but uh, it's a boo of respect. <laughs> yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think he's, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think being 6'8", whatever he officially is, I think he's... Uh, LeBron like in his in his floor vision, his ability to just see over the defense, and you know reminds me a little bit. I mean, you know, John uh, is a little bit smaller, um, you know, than that in DC. But when when he's when he's healthy, when he's at his best, I think he just is another one of those guys that just sees every pass and can just you know thread the needle perfectly on on pick and rolls. So I, I think you know those guys, Harden. You know, there's some. Uh, really, really elite passers um, in the league right now, and, and yeah, definitely fun to watch.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned John, because I feel like, you know, that's a guy who went from all-star to kind of an afterthought because of the injuries, and a lot of people aren't really, you know, thinking of him even in the the, the top list of great point guards right now. Um, how do you feel about um, the public perception of John? Like, when when people talk about John Wall now, how do you feel about that, actually knowing him?
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, because I think, uh, you know, it's just another good example of the same people that that build you up will uh, will quickly turn on you and, and tear you down, and and uh, you know, we saw it even last year with like with LeBron. You know, how many uh, how many of those aggregator Twitter sites were were calling him washed up and not playing defense and so on and so forth? And, he wasn't
1: playing defense though. He he really wasn't. Come on. Yeah, well. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there were some viral clips and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, you know, it, it's a little bit long, but if, if you go on my YouTube channel, I, I have like a three-part video series where like I looked at all those clips that people were killing LeBron for, and like a lot of them weren't even his fault. Like a lot of them were, you know, people not understanding what the scheme was, and that LeBron actually uh-huh. was, was doing the right thing. You know, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you see him. I, I think you see, you know, Wiggins obviously was a guy who maybe rightfully so, but like last year, you know, the narrative on him was that uh, I had some people tweeting legitimately. They weren't sure he'd get another NBA contract. And, you know, now <laughs> he's had a, had a great start to the season and, and now he's looking like he's in all-star contention. So I, I think John's kind of that same way. I think he's the, you know, forgotten guy right now. I think everybody's talking about how overpaid, how horrible that contract is, so on and so forth. But uh, knowing John, I'm definitely not counting him out. I mean, he's the best competitor I've ever been around, you know, uh, really, really, you know, puts his heart into the game and, uh, you know, obviously he'll be a little bit slower coming back off these injuries and, and maybe lose some of that burst, but he's still, um, a basketball savant and, you know, a guy who averages over nine assists a game for his career and just, you know, really knows how to play the game. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, maybe he won't be a, a perennial All Star anymore, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he made another All Star game and, and still, um, you know, ends up having a lot of good basketball left in him.
1: So the second actor, John Wall, could be something to see. You know, honestly, even with a guy like Derrick Rose, you know, who I thought was completely done, to, to see him come back, I think it's a not only a testament to these guys' wills and competitive desires, but also the the advances of modern medicine. You know, some of these injuries back in the day, it was like, wrap it up, he's done. And, you know, to, to come back from that stuff is pretty cool. Um, so uh, my final question for you, Brian O., uh, you're the Warriors head coach, and you've got the Hamptons five. You're down one. Eight seconds left. What play do you draw? (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to try to do uh, Steve Kerr's job or pretend I'd have any idea how to do that. (laughs) uh, You know, I think, like I said, I think he's got a a pretty darn good feel and then people people always want more. It's the nature of of any industry. Like I said, you know, they're going to turn on Pop. They're going to turn on Kerr. They're going to turn on lebron or they already did turn on lebron you know that everybody eventually becomes becomes the villain and people want more but um yeah i mean the thought i guess i'll leave you with is yeah you mentioned people saying um oh if if you had given me that team i could have gone out and won 75 games or whatever and, and the truth is first of all no fucking chance like you no way you can do that uh and second of all I I think honestly that, that made it a lot harder on them. I think like, especially going against like some of those teams that you guys had an X on your back every single night and every single night, every team would have killed to beat you. And just, you got, you know, the absolute best effort of every team, every night, uh, everybody that was maybe a little banged up decided to play against you guys. All the games were on national TV, big stage, you know, and, and to handle that and, and win 73 games and have as much success as they did. I mean, that that's an amazing testament to, to how hard they played, um, you know, not just in the in the motion. The motion offense requires a, a ton of really hard cuts flying around the court, ball movement, but also defensively. You know, I think they they really competed their, their butts off on defense as well. Um, so, you know, coaching is again, it, it's not nearly as much about x's and o's as some people think it's much more about uh you know the spirit of the team the chemistry how hard they compete um how hard they play and and I think that's what Golden State you know I think that's the biggest thing I I take away and I, I took away from watching Kerr and those teams um so more than any one play I think that's what what really matters and was really fun and hopefully will continue to be fun to watch um when everybody's healthy
1: you know what? That was a far more elegant answer than just run a hi, um, Steph, Katie, pick and roll. And I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, Brian O. Uh, tell them where to find you online.
0: Yeah, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Scout with Brian. Brian's with a Y. But yeah, Scout with Brian on Twitter. Scout with Brian. Uh, you can search on YouTube. Scout with Brian podcast. Uh, pretty much across the board. Just yeah, that scoutwithbrian.com. Um, So, yeah, pretty much anywhere you type "scout with Brian, you can find my stuff.
1: Awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Um, You know, Dub Nation loves hearing what other folks think about Dub Nation. It's it's an awesome feedback loop. And, uh, of course, with you actually having been in in the industry and scouting the team firsthand, it's great to hear your voice. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Really enjoyed it. Appreciate you having me.
1: All right, cool. All right, folks, you know what to do. Play this, share it, and then
0: play it again. So take care. Bye-bye.